politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, friends, taxpayers, and countrymen to this, the only Conservative Review podcast on this fine Thursday, September 26th, our 501st show. It's almost like starting all over again, but I hope a lot of you guys, I know you guys enjoyed yesterday's 500th anniversary show with Ken Cuccinelli, um, one of the few guys that is actually focused in government on the American taxpayer, the American sovereign citizen, and having a government of by and for the people. If we had 10, 15 other Ken Cuccinelli's in the executive branch or in Congress, well, we have a different country. But until then, we got to build that country. Now, today I want to talk a lot about foreign influence, foreign influence. As I noted on Tuesday's show, episode 499, if you haven't seen it yet, subscribe to our channel at Conservative Review on YouTube. You know, feel free to leave a comment and certainly ring that bell there to like our videos. But we noted on Tuesday's show that when the left wants to attack with impeachment, with, oh, the Mueller-Russian collusion, Ukrainian collusion now, there's always an antidote to actually work on the significant policy issues that affect our country rather than getting distracted by the soap opera, but also jujitsuing the soap opera. And if you think about it, the Democrats really are walking into a trap if we actually set the trap for them. What are they pushing? They're pushing this narrative that Trump is too loose with foreign leaders to sell out America. Um foreign collaboration, foreign influence in American politics. <laughs> Dude, they're, they sound like me. I mean, they, they are just teeing it up for us. Gee, you, you suddenly care about foreign influence. See, if I were to use those words, they'd call me a nativist, right? Oh, you're a nativist. You don't like foreign things. Today, we're going to discuss... How if we had a normal Republican Party, which is typically what we discuss every day, if we had hypothetically a normal Republican Party, how they would make lemonade out of these lemons and say, hey, you want a national discussion on foreign influence? Well, let me tell you, there is no greater foreign influence in our politics, in our culture, in every fabric of the American being that goes up to and includes influencing elections themselves than open borders. Open borders and all of its analogs, all of its side cascading effects is the ultimate foreign influence in America. I'm glad that the Democrats are finally in tune with, this is America. We don't need this foreign influence. Yeah, exactly. Now let's apply that everywhere. So we have a lot of good content out and I'm not going to get a chance to go over it. Um, some of our written content at Conservative Review, definitely go to conservativereview.com. You could click on my name, uh, Chris Pandelfo or Nate Madden, my colleagues, and you could see what we have there. Lots of new information with crazy criminal alien cases, sanctuary cases. It never ends. And if I don't spotlight them, no one else will. So that's why I'm going to continue doing this. But I have a very important article out on really... What I believe in many respects is the most forgotten yet most potent aspect of foreign influence on our soil 
through our open border policies, through our lack of a border wall, proper use of the military, both ground and air assets to ensure that we know everything crossing our border, which believe me is very achievable if we wanted to do. And that is Chinese illegal immigration. I want you to direct your attention to the monitor here. If you are listening uh, through iTunes, it's fine, but tune into our YouTube, our video, so you can see this. I want you to see this picture. This is a picture at the border. This comes from a PolitiFact article. Um, Dewhurst, uh, David Dewhurst, the former lieutenant governor of Texas, originally um, made this point, and PolitiFact fact-checked it and found it to be true, that there are Mandarin signs at our border. You know, you got English, you got Spanish, as everyone would expect. Most illegal immigrants are from Mexico or Central America or other Spanish-speaking countries. And you got Mandarin. If you look at recent press releases from CBP just this week, they'll talk about catching illegal immigrants from Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua, and China. Lots of press releases. They talk about a stash house where they catch nine Chinese. So I noticed that I'm noticing this a lot more, that there's a lot more Chinese migrants. And I took a look at my trusty Texas data that I get leaked to me every week. It's not the full border, but for Texas at least. And over the last two weeks, there have been 118 Chinese nationals caught at the border. That's already a significant number. I mean, if you would annualize that pace, that's a pace of over 3,000 a year. Um, last year, we had about 990 or so caught at the southern border, another 100 or so caught between the northern and the maritime borders. This has been a problem for a long time, but I will tell you it is one of the latest trends. We want to bring you up to date on some of the latest trends. We want to look ahead of the curve. And I will tell you, that's one of the things that's increasing. And I will also tell you that if we're catching two, three, four hundred a month, it's very likely there's three, four times as many that we are not catching. And we discussed a lot of the vices of illegal immigration. We've discussed the gangs, the drugs, terrorism, just the drunk driving, the child sex offenses that are very endemic of, of many of these illegal immigrants, the fiscal cost, cultural cost. And that, that, <laughs> that in itself is a huge foreign influence. There's no greater foreign influence than transforming your culture. But there's another one that we haven't talked about enough, and that's espionage. China, as we well know, is the biggest threat of espionage. They are the biggest um, perpetrators of cyber attacks on America. Everything they do is stealing stuff from us. They steal our R&D. They steal our intellectual um, property. They steal everything. Their entire model is built off of stealing from us. How do they steal from us? Where do they get that human capital into America? Now, we're going to discuss what is also a problem in our visa system in a minute. But I want to direct your attention to the border. You want to talk about foreign influence on our soil. Thanks to these policies. Let me tell you something. 
if foreign influence and collaboration with foreigners in their mind is grounds for impeachment, then every member of Congress who supports open borders should be impeached. It's that simple. What we have, according to my sources at the border right now, with this increase, is a whole bunch of Chinese coming to our border under the most suspicious circumstances imaginable. And I hope I'm remembering everything I've heard in the briefing I got. But it's basically like this. They fly into Brazil. And obviously, if you fly into Brazil, you have to have documents, right? They show up to the border Nothing. There's nothing on them. They ditch all their documents. They have nothing but cash, tons of cash. They pay. They are the most expensive smuggling network. They pay smugglers and cartels as much as fifty dollars to $70,000 per pop. They're all wealthy. They're wearing Gucci clothing. And here's the thing. They are all what the Border Patrol calls runners. They run. They don't surrender themselves because they don't want to be caught. But then when they are caught, they say, oh, I'm declaring asylum. Well, if you're coming for asylum, why would you run, right? I mean, if you are fleeing communism, oh, please don't send me back to the communists. Oh, I'm I'm fleeing. I want to come, you know, declare asylum in America, which is which in that case would be the quintessential purpose of asylum. You you would you know, die to see a border agent, you would you would kiss his toes. Why would you run? Wealthy, running, ditching documents. There's another level. We don't share NCIC data, right? We're, we're basically at war with China. I mean, even if we would, they would lie to us, but we don't. We, we, we do not know who these people are. There's one and a half billion people in China. They can say, I'm Zhong And we know nothing. We know nothing. And yet I am told that we let them go and dump them into asylum proceedings. We let them go. We fall for such a scam. Every one of them. And again, remember, a market could only sustain a business model of paying $50,000 if the cartels have a 70, 80, 90% success rate of crossing them. If Border Patrol, if if the, you know, 59 per week that they're catching, and this is just in Texas. They they, they, have, they, they come in all states. It's, you know, certain um, smuggling is only in Texas. They come everywhere. So when, when we're averaging for the last two weeks an annualized pace of 3,000 a year, that's 3,000 a year just in Texas. And that's what we're catching. What are we not catching? Folks, knowing what we know about China, it is inconceivable that there's not a percentage of these that are engaged in espionage. Think about it. They know. Um, they know how to use us, right? Um, one of the most unbelievable things about China is that they, um, they know to use our openness against us. Okay, they know how to use our openness against us. And we're going to talk about this with the student visas visas in a minute. But um, the DNI, right, National uh, Director of National Intelligence, 
in the annual worldwide threat assessment for this year said, quote, China's intelligence services will exploit the openness. Okay, will exploit the openness of American society, especially academia and the scientific community, using a variety of means. Well, what greater exploitation that they know we have a system that you just say, I have asylum, and and here it's great. They're the ones doing the persecution, but they send their own agents to go say, look, you're going to send us back to the chai comms? I mean, it's the perfect, perfect system. You want to talk about foreign influence. There is your foreign influence. You want to t- see that sucking sound of why we have so much cybersecurity problems and cyber attacks emanating within our country by the Chinese. Guess where it's coming from? There's no other way to explain it because they make no sense. If you really are fleeing persecution, you would embrace a border agent. You wouldn't run. You wouldn't ditch your documents. But we have no way of knowing them. And here's another thing. They they rely on a, on a private service to do translations. So typically what happens when they catch most illegals who are from Central America, Mexico, they interview them in Spanish. Right? Um, most... Border agents are, are fluent in Spanish, many of them very fluent. And um, the thing about that is it's not just that you can understand each other, but I have an Asian friend that, that uh, I mean, he's not Hispanic descent, but he really learned it very well, that he could see through them. See, there's one thing that you know it enough to get by, and then there's another thing you know it to see if the guy is BSing you. So he tells me all the time he could break the Guatemalans, meaning break them in terms of their lying, that, oh, I'm a, I'm an adult when I'm a UAC, when really he was 20 years old, or, you know, all the ways that they exploit it. Mandarin? There, there's no one who knows Mandarin enough, um, you know, to, to, to really get by. So they have this private um, contractor that does it for them, but they're not law enforcement. So, I mean, you're... They're not trained to vet out BS. They'll just transcribe like, okay, here's what they're saying. And we let them go. This is something that's amazing to me. We have countries that are designated by by CBP and DHS as SIAs, special interest aliens. We talk about them all the time. And um, basically, there's it fluctuates from time to time, but... There's roughly, I don't know, 35 or so countries on that list. And the thing is, they're all Islamic. It's all related to terrorism. And the consequences is, if we catch someone, let's say, from Iran, automatically they're interrogated by the FBI at, at the you know Border Patrol station. They're, they're interrogated by the, by the FBI there or an ICE facility. They partner with the FBI. They take over. It boggles the mind, but we don't have this for other security threats. Now, China is not going to be terrorism, but it's going to be espionage. But yet, I've had this confirmed, Chinese are treated no different than, like, you know, Mexicans, that they are not interrogated by the FBI. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable that this is happening. And we let them go. I mean, we are sabotaging and self immolating. We are just bringing in Chinese under the guise of asylum or because we don't have border security, the ones we don't catch. 
That is the biggest foreign influence. So let me tell you, if you claim to care about foreign influence and you're facilitating open borders, you could shove it where the sun doesn't shine because you're full of nonsense. But that's not all. <clears throat> so it's bad enough we have the border. And, and, and this gets to a broader issue I want to talk about with the focus of Republicans at a time when we have record dysfunctional immigration that doesn't work for Americans, cultural transformation, our schools are turning into UN, mini UNs, the cost of illegal immigration, the gangs and, and crime, sanctuary cities out of control. I have endless cases, another case of Santa Clara County um, hiding a rape suspect from, uh, from ICE. I have an article on that, on that out today. And you're Mike Lee, senator from Utah, regarded as one of the most conservative members, many other Republicans. You have one piece of legislation. No, no, nothing on that. To the extent we'll talk about it. Well, we got a hearings, committee process. Suddenly they have this bill to massively expand green cards to India, monopolize our system. If we have time, we'll talk about the insanity of it. Otherwise, I'll have, a, I'll have an article out explaining it. So tune into Conservative Review, the, the print site, so you could see this. Without any committee process, without any hearing. That is their focus. But just to, qu to quantify how much we're having. So we have roughly, we hand out roughly, depending on the year, between 70 to 85,000 green cards to Chinese nationals. They are the number two recipient after Mexico. Okay, so 70 to 85,000 green cards a year. In addition, do you know that there are currently, currently 363,341 Chinese nationals here on student visas. Although I shouldn't say current. I mean, the 2017-2018 academic year. I don't have for the, for the latest. Um, but I want you guys to take a look at this chart from the, what is it called? The Institute um, for International Education. They they quantify how many foreign students we have. And look at that increase in foreign students we had, we've had. It doubled under Ob Obama, tripled over the last few decades. We now have 1.1 million foreign students every year. So we give out 1.1 million green cards. And then in addition, 1.1 million foreign students who often wind up staying here. Now, before I get to China and espionage and the security concerns, let's just talk about foreign influence from a middle you know, culture, the cultural aspect. Like any idea, they're good in the right quantities. Foreign exchange students, we go there, they come here. Good idea. And we had that for quite a while, as you could see from that chart, certain baseline. Okay, we had 50,000 students, 70,000 students, 100,000. It went to 1.1 million. Now, you know this is a big scam. The big universities want the money because it's wealthy people from overseas. And, and, and there's no cap. Usually there's caps on certain categories. There's no caps for F visas, for the student visa. So you could bring in, as long as you qualify for it and you have the money, you're in. So all these governments like Saudi Arabia, we have 50, 60,000 a year. That's a huge security problem. The governments and NGOs in those countries sponsor it. In China, they sponsor it. Believe me, the government sponsors it, as we're going to see in a minute. But what does that do to our culture? 
When you have that much, again, a certain amount is fine, but Democrats are so into foreign influence. I want to read to you a passage from my book. And, you know, we, we've talked about, uh, this is certainly happening already in our lower schools, K through 8, K through 12. Instead of our higher institutions of learning being oriented toward patriotism and appreciation for American culture and republicanism, as our founders envisioned and as Reagan longed for, I had a quote from Reagan before that, they have become international classrooms hostile to our values. As Professor Wilfred McLay recently bemoaned, instead of teaching my students how to intelligently appropriate the knowledge and traditions and historical memories of America, I found it necessary to teach as if those traditions were to be regarded neutrally of you from nowhere carrying no inherent weight. So as an honest professor that was just saying, look, I mean, it's nice. You have a little bit of cultural exchange, foreign students, but but that many, it's a problem. But be it as it may, more than a third or roughly a third of all of those are China. 363,000 we have in this country. Um, it's not every year, I mean, because it's usually at least a four-year program, but at any given time, we roughly have that many that are in the country. I want to read to you a CNN article from February 1st of this year. It's a little while ago after they caught this Chinese student spying. U.S. intelligence warns China is using student spies to steal secrets. In August 2015, an electrical engineer, electrical engineering student in Chicago sent an email to Chinese national titled Midterm Test Questions. More than two years later, the email would turn up an FBI probe in the Southern District of Ohio involving a suspected Chinese intelligence officer who authorities believed was trying to acquire technical information from defense contractors. Basically, this guy, Ji Jacon, I don't know how to pronounce it, a Chinese student who would go on to enlist in the U.S. Army Reserve. Um, it had nothing to say about exams. It was all high-level Chinese intelligence officials um, attached to a background on eight U.S.-based individuals who Beijing could target for potential recruitment as spies. So we have so much immigration from China, and therefore it breeds even more, and then they bring in more to recruit them. And they get into all these positions. And they go on to say, um, it was formally indicted this January, which is why they talked about it. And, but very clear, and look, this is CNN. This is not, you know, Breitbart. They, they very clearly indicate this is a broader problem. The sheer size, so they say um, Beijing is leaning on expatriate Chinese scientists, business people, and students like Xi, one of roughly 350,000 from China who study in the U.S. every year, to gain access to anything and everything at American universities and companies that's of interest to Beijing, according to current and former U.S. intelligence officials, lawmakers, and several experts. The sheer size of the Chinese student population at U.S. universities presents a major challenge for law enforcement and intelligence agencies tasked with striking the necessary balance between protecting America's open academic environment and mitigating the risk to national security. Here's the question. Who asked, the, asked us to balance it? When did the American people ever ask for a balance? It's not our job to disentangle the impossible. We have no idea who these people are. And by definition, if China is sending people to exploit worker visas and student visas and the people coming in through the border or claiming asylum, 
they're going to sanitize their backgrounds. So we don't have any information. And what they give us by definition is the most suspect. We know China's doing this. We know this is their, how they're stealing our stuff. And we're like, I have a great idea. Let's bring in 350,000 of these people. Like, are you retarded? And then another 70, 80,000 on green cards. Some of them are through the pipeline of foreign students. Several thousand more coming through the border. Look, I'll be the first to tell you that a lot of the Chinese, relative to many other third world countries we brought in, they do better, generally have, have not been a problem. God bless them. And, and we've had a lot of very good people. But but you can't have that many without a and, and, and no system to properly vet them for espionage. There's a reason why until the modern era, when we were at war with countries, we didn't take immigration from them because that's the biggest conduit for them to screw and influence your society. As spy on everything you're doing. It's, it's pure, unvarnished, common sense. Everyone knows that. Everyone understands that. It's unbelievable. Why we do this is unbelievable. It's like, we have to let in the world, but then we have to find a way to vet. No. There is so much bad stuff going on in the world where they can't really hurt us through kinetic military action. The way they hurt us, if it's Islamic terrorism, it's immigration. If it's Chinese espionage, it's immigration. If it's Latin American criminal aliens and, and, and MS-13 gang, it's through immigration. There's a time for an open door and there's a time for more of a closed door. And we've never, we're, we're essentially at war with China. It's not a traditional war, but it's a 21st century war. They are our biggest threat in every way, but particularly a threat through this type of stuff. And we're like, let's just bring them in. And again, I have nothing against them. There's a lot of good Chinese, more so than, than, than other places. Ideally, it's fine, but th this should over, override that, that uh, whatever benefit you might feel you get from that. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's it's worse than that. I was talking with Colonel Dan, and, and may, maybe as early as tomorrow, if we can arrange it, we'll do a show on China. But his point was, it's not just those coming in as known or unknown to us, but, but definitive Chinese intelligence officers or operatives. You could have a run-of-the-mill guy who's, he might even want to get away from China. What a, what a garbage place. I want to come to America. But guess what? The Chinese call him up and say, I know where you live. And you got relatives still here. Hey, uh, if you want them still alive, you're going to do this and this for us. That has been known to happen. It's very unfortunate, but I mean, we can't commit suicide. While it remains unclear just how many of these students, this is from CNN, are on the radar of law enforcement, current and former intel officers told CNN that they all remain tethered to the Chinese government in some way, even if the vast majority aren't sent to the U.S. As, to spy. That's the point. They're tethered to them. They got us. The, the Chinese have hundreds of thousands of people to get whatever they want. Why would we do this to ourselves? Why is no one raising a concern about this? It makes no sense. Again, we uh, DNI, 
We assess that China's intelligence services will exploit the openness of American society, especially academia and scientific community. So why are you doing this? Why aren't we holding hearings on this? Where's the legislation to shut this down? Now, before I move on to the next insanity, I just want to note that now that I told you how easy it is for China to engage in espionage through the people that come in the front door on student visas and green cards, if you're, if you're a wealthy Chinese, you have unlimited access. You could buy yourself a student visa. Why would young males take such an arduous trip to our border? And, and most of them, by the way, are male which is another red flag, because if you're fleeing persecution, it would be at least 50-50. That should really scare you. That means those guys have to be really bad operatives, that they feel they can't even exploit what's known to do through our front door, which is much easier to do. Well, you say, well, they'll, they'll make the terrible trip because they're claiming asylum. They got to run away from China. Well, then why are they running away from us at the border? That, that is something that there's no answer for. Now, you would expect people like Mike Lee and all these Republicans to be pounding the lectern about foreign influence in our society, our schools, our culture, and certainly the espionage problems from China. I didn't even get into the fact of the birth tourism. The Chinese, and yes, Russians. Russians, oh, Russians influencing elections. They drop a baby here thanks to the left-wing, lying, erroneous interpretation of the 14th Amendment that any organism that flies here somehow is, 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 a, is an American citizen. 18 years, China and Russia has their operatives voting in our elections. You want to talk about influencing elections. But anyway, at a time when we have a list of 15 items we could be pushing that are 80-20 winning issues that speaks to our needs, our fiscal burden, our security from illegal immigrants, our laws not being enforced, neo-Confederate sanctuary cities just thwarting federal immigration law left and right, not a single bill, but they introduce out of nowhere this complex bill to change our visa system for employment-based visas, which will lead to a backdoor increase in immigration, in my view, but will monopolize how Indians and five or six Silicon Valley liberal big tech companies, Amazon and Facebook and Apple, IBM, obviously, monopolize our system even more to basically bring in endless more, instead of low-skilled manual labor, labor from Central America, this is lowering the skill of entry-level bachelor degree IT jobs. Not high-skilled, I'm sick of hearing that. That's nonsense. Um, just basically flooding the zone. Th that's what makes their heart tick. Why? Because there is no money or lobby behind sovereignty, security protecting us from foreign influence, taxpayers. No, the money is all in open borders and big tech. And that's what even people like Mike Lee respond to. 
So without any hearing, he's trying to take a Democrat bill that all but 56 Republicans voted for in the House, slam it on the Senate floor without committee process, and get it passed. As of this recording, it hasn't been done yet, but that could be done even today. And I fear Trump will, will sign the bill. To understand, to bring this discussion full circle, to understand what this bill does, how it speaks to the problem of our existing immigration system and then exacerbates it, and how this broadly speaks to this problem of foreign influence and this just lack of understanding of how many numbers we're bringing in, for what reason, and what it's causing to Americans. Let's go through this S-386, Fairness and High-Skilled Workers Act. If I've ever seen a Orwellian named Bill, that's it. So anyway, <clears throat> what does this bill do? So right now, as you all know, 85% of our immigration system is essentially a refugee system. Okay, it, it's low-skilled, chain migration. It's all because you're either a relative and then the 15 to 20 other humanitarian categories. So it's the immigrants themselves basically controlling it. We have 15 humanitarians, so they could just apply and shove it on us. We can't stop it. Or chain migration, where the immigrants are picking, choosing the immigrants based on family ties. And because of the ones we have now, they're mainly low-skilled and they, they don't benefit us. And the American people don't pick it. Then there's the other 15% of our system, the employment-based. Now, people erroneously call that, oh, that's the high-skilled. It's not true. It's just, it's not low-skilled per se based on chain migration. It has some sort of skilled criterion. But what, what, it, what, it, what it is is not what you think it is. And I know some of you already are aware of this, but let's just start from the beginning. What our immigration system should be is that 85% should be completely done. We need a moratorium on that. On the 15%, and you could maybe expand that a little bit more if we cut off the other 85%, although I do think we do need a transition period of moratorium just to assimilate people. But what you would do is there's no visa port. There's no like IBM petitions to bring in these type of people and then you create a whole market distortion that, you know, certain type of people come from a certain country to game out for your type of job so you could drive down wages. No. What it is is you have a broad criterion of a merit-based point system. That, that That's what we need. Where you are high-skilled, very high-skilled, the highest skilled we can get, but not just education and employment, but also in terms of patriotic assimilation. Like I would have points on, I would I would have everyone write an essay why do you want to come to America and, and grade that? Different things like that. So not only are we getting the most high school people, but people, again, America is not a mini UN, a bus station, where it's just like, hey, I, I, I want to earn some money. And we just put, you got to have some cohesion here. And, you know, in the, in the past, we didn't need it codified in law in 120 years ago because America was as such that it would kind of demand that of the immigrants anyway. It's not happening now. That's what we should do. But what we have is we don't have any of that. We have the employment-based visas. What it wound up happening is the biggest companies with the biggest lobbyists over the years perpetuated a cycle where now they own it. So now they just get all the visas 
And these are not your rocket scientists, PhDs, and this type of specialty that we couldn't find here. They're run-of-the-mill, entry-level, bachelor's IT type of jobs. So the same way that they want the cheap labor, you know, from Central America for the manual labor jobs, that rather than paying people $12 an hour, they can pay them $6, $7 an hour. It's the same thing here. Rather than paying, these are not $200,000 paying jobs. It's instead of paying an American $60,000, I could pay the Indian $50,000. And they, and they create a whole, you know, chain of this. So what happens now is that they come in on these H-1B visas and then this, this OPT program. There's a lot of these other quasi-visas, a lot of exceptions to H-1B that allow them to bust the cats, several hundred thousand of them in the country. And India has really monopolized that because this wasn't given out to the whole of the people. It was given out to um, IBM, Amazon, Microsoft, you know, these type of companies. And what happens is, so the, technically these are short-term visas. They're non-immigrant visas. They're worker visas, but you can't get a, right? They, they don't necessarily grant you a green card. To get a green card based on the employment visas like H-1B, so then there's macro caps, and then there's micro caps, per country caps. Each country has a cap, so no country could represent more than 20% of it or like 7% 7 of the annual intake. Um, so right now, Indians get 20% of the employment visa green cards. So what this bill does is it busts that, it, it abolishes the per-country cap. And they're like, oh, it's fairness. But it's the exact opposite. What that's going to do is the pipeline on the non, non-immigrant visa end that will flow into that is not, according to USCIS, basically, if this bill passes over the next 10 years, 90% of all employment-based green cards will be given to Indian nationals from this H-1B program. So A, it's just, I mean, God, I, I really, just like I said with the Chinese, I mean, Indians, you know, if you look at the welfare usage, it's, it's lower than most others where we bring in. Generally, we you know we've had a good experience. I don't, I'm not have anything against them, but you don't want to a have them monopolize it. Um, B, it's not for these type of jobs for these companies. We don't need that. It exacerbates the existing H-1B. Pro we need to abolish H-1B. See, the problem is this: everyone thinks, "Oh, Daniel, I understand you're against the other stuff, but isn't this high skilled?" No, it's not. It actually boxes out high skilled. Because here's the deal. If you're a company that's a more mid-level company, smaller company, that is seeking a truly specialized like nuclear engineer with this type of background for a $180,000, $200,000 paying job, you don't have many options because they're not in the H-1B program. H-1B has, is all in a circuitous cycle now of being monopolized by the Silicon Valley for the $60,000 entry-level IT jobs, that there's no reason Americans can't do that. There's no reason you can't find that other than you want to pay $10,000 less, which I understand it. But I'm just saying that's the, it's not a matter you can't find. But ironically, all these saying, oh, we need workers, what this is going to do is it's going to ensure that now all of the green cards are going to H-1Bs. So there's no non-H-1B avenue to petition for employment-based green cards. So basically, 
It's these people from this country for this job for these corporations and nothing else. It's the ultimate visa pork. Now, I know I saw, I'm sorry if this was a little convoluted, but that's part of the point. It needs a committee hearing to know about the unintended consequences. See, like, there's certain simple legislation. Sanctuary cities must comply with ICE detainers on drunk drivers and sex offenders. That's not very complicated. That's the type of thing that should be passed on the spot, on the floor, without a committee hearing. But this is a complicated thing. I mean, you know, I would, you know, even what I want, some sort of point system. You know, it's very complicated. What type of points? You know, are there any unintended consequences? You got you to gotta vet that out. And you can't just slam something like that on the floor. Visa reform, very complicated. But when Silicon Valley says jump, Mike Lee, who is sponsoring and pushing this bill, says how high. That's what it is. You want to talk about foreign influence. It's having India and several countries control our immigration. It's no different than chain migration for the low-skilled. The same way it's having the immigrants themselves choose. Here it's having India and six to ten Silicon Valley companies choose. No. It needs to be a broad-based criterion that the whole of the people choose who we want as part of our society. And then once you come in, then you work for whoever you want. You become an American, and that's it. I don't like this, oh, you come here for, for this company. No. Unless it's a very, very small, tight, specialized thing. But that's not what we're talking about here. And like I'm telling you, those specialized things are actually going to be boxed out from this. Guess what's going to happen? It's an old trick. It's a legislative trick. What you do is, so this bill officially doesn't expand the numbers, right? It um, just reorients them. Basically, it, it busts the country cap, but not the macro total cap. It's just, you know, so let's say you have, you know, um, you know 150,000. You're not gonna have more than 150,000, but they'll all be from India rather than being more, you know, diverse. But here's the problem. They know that that's untenable. It's untenable because it's going to box out every other corporation and it's going to box out every other country and it's going to box out the truly master's PhD. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm the first to tell you I'm not into this formal education, like judge it by your degree type of thing. But I'm just trying to give you a, you know, some sort of marker as opposed to an entry level bachelor's IT job. That's what H1B is all about. It's nonsense. H-1B is nonsense. Um, it, it's total visa pork. So then they're going to come say, see, now they deal with the like more middle skilled, box out the high skilled. Then they're, they're going to come out and say, oh my gosh, Daniel, no high skilled are getting into the country. Daniel, you know, you, you yourself say you are high skilled, so you got to agree to this. And then we expand the numbers. But here's the deal. We have 1.1 million people we give green cards per year. We bring in about another 700,000 on worker visas. We bring in another million every year on student visas. We have so much immigration. Look what it's doing. We have, they talk about this article I don't have time to get to now, but in Portland, or in Portland, Maine, which used to never have any of this. This is not New York City. They say more languages are spoken there in the schools, like 67 or something than Portland, Maine, than, than New York City. You can't do this. America is not a corporation on a spreadsheet. It's more to, than that. 
You can't do this to a country. That's the ultimate foreign influence, and this is the lesson Republicans need to push when combating impeachment. But I just want to come full circle, circle here on Mike Lee. And, and I, I'm only picking on him because he's regarded as the most conservative, which just shows you how broken Republicans are and how much it's an oligarchy. A common sense fix for the American people, you'll never get Congress to do it in 10 years. You'll have a random bill, like, come out of left field. Like, you know, we have a border crisis. There's no, even if you would think there's an H-1B or whatever employment-based green card crisis, there's nothing new today than there was a year ago. Boom, emergency, slamming on the floor, no hearing. Same thing they did with jailbreak, because they don't want people to know about it. And... What I find amazing is that yesterday, Mike Lee and 11 Republicans joined with Democrats to vote against Trump's emergency declaration at the border and reprogramming of defense funding. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit more tomorrow if we have time. See no evil here, no evil on the border. No emergency. Bust our visa caps. Visa pork for Silicon Valley. Mike, where's your legislation on sanctuaries? You want to fix visa problems? Hey, Mike, here's here's a message I have for you. There's there's a very important um, loophole that just came to bear in your state over the last few months. We talked about this loophole. Again, you want to talk about Laws passed by Congress. So Mike Lee claims like, no, 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 I'm not for open borders. I'm just concerned with executive abuse of Article 1 prerogatives where he's reappropriating money. Okay. Now, first of all, I never hear Mike Lee being concerned about Article 3, a.k.a. the judiciary, the weakest branch, abusing Article 1 every second, which in fact is the whole impetus of the border crisis, of the immigration crisis, breaking our laws, why Trump is in this predicament to begin with, but I don't hear anything about it. But he's a libertarian. Although nothing quite says libertarian like Ivanka care and doubling the refundable portion of the child tax credit, aka welfare. But I rest my case. I mean, I guess it's not really libertarianism, it's virtue signaling. Um, so one of the most foundational laws, you want to talk about Article 1, the Senate the United States Senate unanimously passed a bill signed by Bill Clinton in 1996, which did the following. It barred anyone who, quote, has unlawfully, who was unlawfully present in the United States for more than one year from returning to the country for 10 years. Okay? The famous 10-year bar. You're caught here illegally. You're barred for 10 years. Section 212A9B of the Immigration and Nationality Act. There's a huge loophole that Congress never envisioned would be abused this way, and the executive branch is abusing it, and it affected the state of Utah. Senator Lee, here's a piece of legislation for you to slam on the board, uh, on the floor, asking unanimous consent to bring up without any committee action or hearings. So, basically, visa overstays. There's a tiny section of the law that allows a hardship if they marry an American spouse to cleanse their status and not go home. 
It's supposed to be the exception, not the rule. Really, if you are a visa overstay, you stay overstayed your visa certainly for over a year, then it's 10 years out. You have to leave the country for 10 years. So you could try to marry an American all you want, but you are you, you got to be out for 10 years. But one of the many lawless violations of, of our sovereignty, they have essentially made it standard practice that everyone gets a visa. So guess what? So many of these people that overstay their visas engage in marriage fraud and they just have these phony marriages and they get a visa and they stay here. As a result of that, a man named Ayula Ajayi, a couple of months ago, you might have heard of Mackenzie Lewick, the University of Utah student who was brutally butchered. Um, this man, Nigerian national, overstayed his student visa and had a, some sort of a sham marriage, wound up staying here. He's now accused of, of assaulting another woman and all sorts of things. Senator Lee, where's the legislation on that? And by the way, this is the same loophole that Billy Chemimer, the guy who smothered 19 people in the Dallas area to death, 19 seniors in nursing homes to death. He should have been out of the country, but he married after overstaying his visa and we gave him the visa and he went on to commit death. Why are we never plugging the visa loopholes that affect American security? It's always about what Silicon Valley wants, what the ethnic group hustlers want, never about what we the people, the broad people, the broad, nameless, faceless American taxpayer, not a special interest, not an immigration agitation group. Where is that piece of legislation, Senator Lee? Introduce the Mackenzie Lewick bill to close that loophole, which it shouldn't need to be closed. I mean, statute is the way it is, but, but you know, it's only discretionary and the administration is treating it as mandatory and it's supposed to be sparing and they use it for everyone, but close it completely. Why isn't your mind oriented towards these things, sanctuary legislation? Why is what makes your heart beat? Visa pork, and and um, saying, oh, no, you can't build the wall. Oh, but I care about Article 1. <laughs> if you care about Article 1, the Article 2 and Article 3 branches of government have raped immigration law. Stand up for that, those prerogatives. Enforce that. Enforce that. This is your hill to die on? I mean, this is the problem. Even our biggest conservatives figure when you can't beat him, join him. So rather than fighting the left, they're like, well, the left opposes us, so I'm going to find the things that they agree with us. So he sponsors this pork bill with Kamala Harris. But then what's the point? If all you're going to do there is just step on the gas pedal of a car that Democrats are very ably and efficiently driving anyway, go home. What's the point? I just don't get it. And yes, we have tons of immigration. Like, I don't understand this, why we need more. At least if you're going to do this, Bill, cut other stuff. Cut TPS. And by the way, that's a whole other thing to talk about. I don't even have time. But Congress is working on, the Senate's about to pass the House bill on opening up a new TPS for Venezuela. Whole other problem. Harvard-Harris polling. They asked the people how much immigration we should have. Only 19% said 1 million and over, which is what we have. 
And really, like I said, between the other things, usually there's about 1.8 new million people coming in on long-term visas or green cards every year, every additional year. 18% chose 500,000 to 1 million level. 19% chose 250,000 to 499,000. And the largest chunk, 35%, including 48% of blacks, chose just 100 to 250,000. Most Americans want about 20 to 30% of the immigration levels we have now. And another Harvard-Harris poll asked people how many immigrants they thought were in the country. So the correct answer is that there's over 44, 45 million immigrants in the country, not including illegal aliens, by the way. Um, God knows how many of those there are, at least 14, 15 million. More than 80%, when they were asked by Harvard-Harris, how many immigrants do you think are present in the country? More than 80% said some sort of tranche number under 10 million. 45%, almost half thought that we had fewer than a million residing in this country when really we have 44 million plus 14, 15 million illegals. This is the Republican Party. But imagine if we had a party using this message, using our message here on true foreign influence. Democrats would have no leg to stand on an impeachment. And you know what? We'd kill two birds with one stone, actually push other policies rather than just being paralyzed by the impeachment. And meanwhile, having all the liberal policies on autopilot, oh, and a couple of bad liberal bills slipped in and actually enacted even under this president while we're at it. Folks, you know, we just celebrated our 500, our 500th show anniversary. And I noted that, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to discuss unique issues from a unique perspective that you're not going to hear elsewhere. And we need you to subscribe. We need you to subscribe both to our YouTube page, our website, Blaze TV subscription as well. Pass the show to 50 to 100 of your friends. And look, I don't mean to beat up on Mike Lee in particular. It's only because, you know, we thought he was the biggest conservative. And if that's the biggest conservative we have, let me tell you, we're in big trouble. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. Thanks for listening.